and welcome to your Actives AgriFood Brief. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And I'm Natasha Fitt. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from your Actives AgriFood team. Our top story this week comes from the AgriFish Council on Wednesday, where Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski said he will recommend member states to support Poland's position to increase the budget for EU's farming subsidies by 10%, then proposed by the Commission in 2018. So what happened before? On the eve of the EU Agrifish Council, Polish Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki uh, sent a letter to Wojciechowski proposing an increase of the common agricultural policy spending that would be entirely allocated to environmental and climate actions under the first and the second CAPS pillar, so uh, respectively uh, direct payments and rural development support. So the letter states that this increase of 10% in the EU's farming subsidies program would increase the contribution to the European Green Deal and accelerate the external convergence in a non-conflicting manner. And asked by a Polish journalist to comment on the letter, the Polish commissioner Wojciechowski said that Poland's proposal was very interesting and we should seriously consider it and that he will encourage the Council to do it uh, during the, the, the political debate on the updated multi-annual financial framework, the DMFF, so the EU long-term budget. As you might, as you might understand, uh, it sounds quite a, a Polish initiative, but also the Agricultural Minister of Croatia, Maria Vučković, which holds the rotating presidency of the EU Council until July, said that uh, we have to be loyal to our common agricultural policy, recalling that this year falls the 60th anniversary of the farming subsidy program. So it was a, a sort of uh, cap pride, let's say. And according to Wojciechowski, there is already common opinion across the member states that the EU needs to strengthen the heading devoted to farmers in the EU long-term budget. So the other news is that Wojciechowski also warned against the risks of state aid overuse in farming sector. EU state aid uh, rules for agriculture were temporarily loosened during the pandemic to help those sectors that are not covered by the support measures set up in the in the Common Market Organization regulation, which is uh, considered the safety net for farmers in case of market crisis. This new relaxed uh, antitrust framework could be a cause for concern for the single market and fair competition in the member states, said Wojciechowski, who also informed the ministers that eight member states so far benefited uh, from the new temporary framework, putting in place specific schemes for agriculture for about uh, 1.23 billion. However, one country alone the Netherlands, accounts for around half of the total amount of state aid in the farming sector approved by the EU executive. Because the European Commission on Monday gave the go-ahead to a record-breaking state aid scheme, one of the highest ever allowed in the farming sector, which allocates 700 million to farmers and traders uh, in the Dutch floricultural sector. So this Dutch imbalance in the farming sector recreates the same disputed pattern that has seen Germany taking the most from the emergency coronavirus state aid framework, uh, which was criticized because it jeopardizes a competitive level playing field within the single market. 
And also the Polish government in its letter pushed on more cap spending in order to avoid the resort to the state aid because state aid creates imbalances because, of course, some member states won't be able to afford high level of uh, state aid. And the last news from the Irish Council, it's not really a news, actually. It basically reiterates the tug of war between EU countries and the EU executive. So it went on stage the same play with member states asking the Commission to explore all available options further market measure, although they, they are aware of the realistic budgetary constraints. And the Commission replying that for the moment they have nothing in the pipeline, but they will keep an eye on the situation in order to adopt some further measure if needed, M- measures like the private storage aid, for instance. With the long-awaited farm-to-fork strategy due to be unveiled in the coming days, Euractiv took a look at the potential that insect-based food and feedstuffs hold for contributing to the goals of the strategy and creating a more self-reliant, sustainable food system in the EU. The draft version of the farm-to-fork strategy, which is expected to be officially presented on the 20th of May, highlights that it will support the creation of sustainable and novel feed materials and food, listing insects as one such potential innovation. Euractiv spoke with the International Platform of Insects for Food and Feed, known as IPIF, an EU non-profit organisation which represents the interests of the insect production sector. They emphasised that although there has recently been quite a buzz about the potential that insects hold as a food product for human consumption, there has been much less attention devoted to the role that insects can play as animal feed, something they say has enormous potential. A number of stakeholders have told Euractiv that linking biomass policy to key EU policy sectors, such as agriculture, would create a win-win situation that would help the bloc deliver on its Green Deal goals and create a sustainable market. As part of the new Green Deal, the Commission aims to revisit a number of pieces of legislation, including a revised version of the Renewable Energy Directive, known as RED, Biomass is part of RED2, and it's considered as a low, indirect, land-use change risk biofuel. However, advocates of advanced fuels for transport say policymakers should break silos and create an integrated market hand-in-hand with the future green goals of the Common Agricultural Policy. Food Safety Commissioner Stella Kyriakides scaled back the ambition of the EU's new food policy during a meeting with agriculture MEPs this week, revealing that it will not provide a compulsory EU-wide nutritional food label scheme. She told the Agriculture Committee that the farm-to-fork strategy will be promoting harmonised labelling, but will not be mandating the type of labelling. However, she did add that the upcoming Commission report on front-of-pack nutrition labelling will provide evidence on the need for harmonisation in this area, as under the current EU rules it is only voluntary. According to Kyriakides, the considerable interest in foodstuff nutrient profiles has delayed the Commission's action, but in the context of the farm-to-fork strategy, the EU executive will come forward with a concrete response. After being delayed twice, the Commission will unveil its much-awaited food policy next week on the 20th of May, together with the biodiversity strategy, which is equally crucial for the agri-food sector. Our quote of the week this week also comes from the Health and Food Safety Commissioner, Stella Kiriakides, who spoke at the recent Agriculture Committee this week about the plans for pesticide reduction targets in the upcoming farm-to-fork strategy. Now, there were some specific points um, 
raised. As, uh, as uh, one um, uh, uh, colleague said about the reducing the risk of pesticides, uh, fifty percent. I have never, I have never put a put a number. We're committed in what we're saying. But any legally binding targets would be set in legislation afterwards, uh, such as in the Directive uh, of Sustainable Use of Pesticides, and this, of course, would be preceded by an impact assessment of our evaluations. Our news from the capitals this week start with Italy, where the government has issued a much-awaited new stimulus package that will include 1.15 billion in support of the agri-food sector. And in the press conference, Italy's agricultural minister, Teresa Bellanova, was moved to tears announcing the agreement reached on the regularization of illegal migrant workers, adding that the state will be now stronger than caporalato, an Italian word for the exploitative conditions of migrants working on farms. And this, this situation represented a standoff between Italy's ruling parties and has slowed down the adoption of the aid package. The coronavirus running rampant in German slaughterhouses has sparked a fierce debate about the working conditions in these plants. On Monday, the Greens requested a debate in the Bundestag on the topic. Moving to Spain, where the Spanish MEP Isaskun Bilbao, a member of the group Renew Europe in the European Parliament, said in an interview this week that the COVID-19 pandemic requires immediate responses to help the EU's agriculture and fisheries sector. In Croatia, a combination of low demand, low prices and increasing losses mean that the domestic livestock sector is struggling, warns an analysis from consulting company smarter. A wide aid plan for the wine sector has been announced in France, which will provide exemptions from social contribution and employer social charges, as well as the opening of a crisis distillation of 2 million hectoliters of surplus wine at an average price of 70 euro per hectoliter, so the equivalent of the of 140 million. However, this has fallen short of demands given that last week the French wine industry asked for 500 million in aid. Romanian Agriculture Minister Adrian Oros said this week that Romania is set to ask the European Commission for direct financial support for milk, pork and poultry meat as farmers and food producers have amassed large stocks of these products. In the UK... The new agriculture bill is set to return for its final report stages this week before heading to the House of Lords. The bill will result in the biggest reform and transformation of British agriculture and food production since 1945. In Ireland, fast food giant McDonald's will begin a phased reopening of its restaurants and is aiming to reopen all drive throughs in Ireland in early June, reports Agriland. The closure of the stores has come as a huge blow to the Irish beef industry in the past few months. In Austria, the government met with representatives from the Chamber of Agriculture, the food industry and retailers for a so-called regional summit this week in its continued push to increase the consumption of regional products. Their aim is to confer tax advantages to regional products, thus encouraging people to buy them. Lastly, in Poland, in an interview with Business Insider Poland, Thomas Bogdowicz, 
director at the employment agency Grammy Personal, said that the agency intends to organise special chartered flights at its own expense to bring seasonal workers from Ukraine to Poland. He added that there are about a thousand workers from Ukraine that have already registered their interest to the agency. And now it's time for our guest. This week we spoke with Ben Allen, head of the Agriculture and Land Management Program at the Institute of European Environmental Policy. We spoke about a research that the Institute conducted on sustainability and resilience of agri-food systems. Thanks for being here with us, Ben. And could you please also tell us a bit more about uh, your think tank, the IEEP? The Institute for European Environmental Policy is a sustainability think tank. We work to provide evidence-based research and policy insight across Europe. Our work on research and innovation in agriculture is part of this and is emerging from a number of different research projects, stakeholder collaborations and initiatives based in the Institute. Making good policy decisions that help to safeguard the European environment, climate, citizens and economy relies on a robust and forward-looking evidence base. Our focus at the moment is how to achieve food system resilience as part of the EU's recovery plans. In agriculture, we've been at a crossroads for a while and have been trying to rationalise how to move forwards with food, feed and fibre production whilst addressing environment and climate challenges and delivering healthier and more sustainable food. This isn't just an EU challenge, but one that is global in nature. It requires us to utilise research and innovation capacity in Europe to focus in on these global challenges. This need has been brought into the spotlight with the COVID-19 crisis and has caused us to think what could we have done in the past to both prevent the crisis itself and better prepare for the impacts of it on our food systems. Unfortunately, we can expect future crises to arise and we need to be prepared for them. Perhaps more relevant is the impact of research and innovation undertaken in Europe in the developing world. It is important that those most vulnerable in global society do not follow the same development trajectory that we have in Europe, but can build resilient and productive food systems from the beginning that safeguard the environment and deliver for the climate. Whilst applied agriculture R&I has historically focused on productivity, the current pandemic emphasises the need to rethink this approach. Resilience puts the adaptive management capacity of the farming sector into focus and forces us to rethink the current global linear system to one that is more circular and ecological in nature. How can we enable such a system in practice? What innovations do we need? What can we learn from existing approaches? And how do we avoid trade-offs between objectives? Answering these questions now requires increased research and innovation funding focused on the priority of achieving food system resilience. We have this opportunity now in Europe with the emerging recovery plans. Whilst there are important short-term goals, it's essential that we consider the longer-term trajectory and ambition in Europe and ensure that we have the research in place that helps us make those decisions. This is also why, as an institute, we've brought together leading European sustainability think tanks into a network, Think Sustainable Europe, that allows us to gather the latest science-based analysis and recommendations, deep dive into issues relevant to member states, and find the best solutions to this economic and sustainability crisis. On our radar this week, the long-awaited farm-to-fork strategy is set to be officially presented next week on the 20th of May. Be sure to look out for a special edition of the Agri-Food podcast, where we speak to various stakeholders about their reaction to the presentation of the strategy. Two new geographical indications have been approved by the EU Commission this week, one a Polish fermented beverage and another a Spanish wine. 
Lastly, Eurostat, the statistical office of the European Union, has released a new report this week showing that although the EU's volume of retail trade fell by 10% in March 2020 compared with February, retail trade of food products, including beverages and tobacco, increased substantially compared with the average March growth rates of the last decade. we have a bit of a public announcement. Journalism that covers the EU in a clear, unbiased way is critical to the future of the European Union, and it should not be behind a paywall. We remain committed to providing our content, like this podcast, for free, and we believe that you value it. News revenue has been heavily impacted by the current crisis. We're asking you to consider making a contribution to your active in support of our editorial work and the work that we do to bring you this podcast please go to www.youactive.com forward slash contribute. Even a small amount will help us keep doing the work that we do. This week, the podcast was produced by Youactive's agri-food news team, Gerardo Fortuna and Natasha Foote, with technical support from Malte Kettleson and Mike Ball. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so that you don't miss the latest agricultural news in the EU. I'm Natasha Foote. Thanks for listening. See you next week.